Daily Cleveland Browns Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns 206. Um, I'm sorry, 207. Guys, anybody listening? I hope it's clear. I've, I've, I've listened. I've taken everything in hand, and there was a listener kind enough to hook me up, and we, uh, we'll, we'll see after we're done recording here, but uh, already sounds clearer, crisper. I uh, do want to thank that listener who chose to uh, keep anonymity. I do appreciate it, though, and uh, obviously, you know, the fact that you guys enjoy the content and that somebody was kind enough to go out and do that for me shows a lot, so I'm going to do everything I can for you guys. Keep it up with great shows. Uh, this evening, uh, joining us, uh, Ben Axelrod, obviously digital producer, sports writer, WKYC, Channel 3 News. Uh, one of the reasons I think I like this guest for this evening is SummerSlam's only a few days away, so I know Ben can give me some insight on that, but we'll, okay, we'll save that for the close, guys. Uh, ben, first off, how you doing? How's everything going? You know, obviously, you know, this time of the year, work's only you know picking up at an abundant pace for you. Yeah, I'm I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I mean, this time is is crazy. You kind of get a little break up here uh, between the NBA Finals and, and the start of training camp, and then you mix in everything with the, that's going on with Ohio State and and all that. And uh, yeah, it's it's a crazy time of year. But but this is my favorite time of year. It's 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 exciting to have football back and uh, a lot of enthusiasm for the Browns this year. Um, you know, absolutely. I mean, you go with the theory of, you know, blank slate and, you know, obviously, you know, every, every season is, is a book within itself. So, you know, we're going to see how the, uh, you know, next 16 chapters, you know, start to align. Uh, first things first, we'll go with what's been the, the, the hot issue lately. Hard knocks. Um, I think one of the first first things I'm noticing is, is you're getting a lot of people who aren't as in deep. And trust me, I learned when I started this show I thought I knew things, and I thought I knew what some of you Browns were, fans were going through. And then there it was, the Jets game, and I'm ripping my hair out of my head. I had a coach taking points off the board, lining up in a tight situation in almost fourth and two and a half, getting stuffed, giving all the momentum to the other team. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm starting to get I'm starting to get what it is with these guys. I see it now. I see it. But uh, hard knocks. I think we're starting to see a lot of people who weren't looking closely, and because it's hard knocks they watch, and now we're getting a lot of we're getting a lot of fire hot takes from people who maybe didn't understand anything that was going on here the last couple of years or just you know kind of taking what they're seeing and running with it. Yeah, I, I think that's probably a good way to put it. I, I think you know it, it's interesting. I've been watching Hard Knocks for this is what probably ten or eleven years now. I've been watching it pretty much since it. I think it the st- first one was the Ravens because why I remember is Todd Heap showing up at training camp with his wife. And introducing her to teammates, and Shannon Sharp's like, "Hi, wife," and giving them a look like, "Dude, no." Yeah, they well, so they did a couple of ones that I think were only on the NFL Network, where they they did the Ravens, and I remember they did the Jaguars with with Jack Del Rio. But this iteration of it really started. I think it was 2007. They did the Chiefs, yep. uh, and and after that, I think they had the Cowboys and the Jets, and those were really memorable ones. But uh, I've been watching Hard Knocks forever, and but obviously the Browns haven't been on it so to watch the the team that i i grew up rooting for and and that i follow so closely it's been an interesting experience because i've never you know felt an attachment to the team i'm following uh watching hard knocks but but i think the thing you know you got to remember is this show is is literally hundreds of hours 
boiled down to just a single hour. We're, we're only getting snippets. Uh, uh, we're getting a lot of scenes that I think lack context. I mean, it, it's funny. We saw that that Corey Coleman montage yesterday of, of him screwing, screwing up in practice. All the reports we were getting out of practice was that he was actually playing pretty well and, and making plays. So we're only seeing snippets of what's going on. But yeah, you know, the, the Browns are so polarizing. Hugh Jackson is so polarizing. Uh, the, this franchise as a whole is is just under such a microscope, even within its own fan base, that there's certainly, you know, enough there, I think, for, for a lot of people that whatever you want to see, you know, you can kind of look at this and, and have it confirm your beliefs. Yeah, and that was one someone was coming at me today, um, you know, and it was, you know, in related, you know, relation to Jarvis Landry's speech and oh, you could see there was the problem with Corey Coleman. He was Corey calling Corey <laughs> Coleman out then. And it was like, well, Corey Coleman, they knew he was having a little bit of a hamstring issue. They gave him the option to take the day off. He suited up. Oh, well, he didn't take all the reps. Well, no, of course he didn't take all the reps. He went out there on a, on an iffy hamstring. Did some light work and, and sat out most of the practice when you have 11 wide receivers there waiting to get a chance to go. So, yeah, it's definitely that. And the other thing was, is uh, you know, well, well, nobody knows if Corey Coleman's committed. When all the reports had been, since Jarvis Landry kind of came in the fold, Corey Coleman was trying to be more professional. You know, was eating better, was doing the right things. You know, so that's interesting. Uh, I tell you what, why we're here real quick, let's just get to it. Um, Corey Coleman, was it... Was it really this bad, or was it just a case of this front office just wanted to move on and wanted to move on quickly? You know, I, I think it's something where I think even, you know, uh, us in the media and, and the fans who follow this this team close closer than anyone, um, I think you have to accept, and, and this goes for everyone, that we just don't know the whole story. That, that clearly... You know, really, you know, between the off-field stuff and, and even before this season, some of the attitude stuff that, that had been leaking out of there, there clearly was something that was not sitting right in, in terms of Corey Coleman's tenure with the Browns. I'm, I'm sure the, regi- the regime change didn't help. I'm, I'm sure, you know, what this franchise has gone through in the last two years and the situation they put the roster in, I'm, I'm sure that didn't help. But, I, yeah, I mean, to... to and, and I'm not as enthusiastic about Corey Coleman as everybody else. Um, I, I kind of had my questions about that that pick from the very start. But it's hard to imagine that all they could get was a 2020 seventh round pick. So so it does kind of seem like you know they might as well have just cut him rather than than you know obviously they did this so they didn't have to take on the salary. But but yeah, I mean I I think it's one of those things where probably for both parties it was best to to move on. Um, I I think you know. Now, obviously, the Browns have question marks inside that wide receivers room, but I don't think they were comfortable counting on Corey Coleman moving forward. Uh, and, and quite frankly, if, if Corey Coleman was going to reach his potential, it might be a situation where the Browns kind of accepted that, that if he's going to do that, it's not going to be with us. Yeah, and, and the other thing, is, uh, Josh Gordon had walked in the door and they jettisoned him. Maybe I would have felt, a, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm still not going to feel comfortable with the, with the return. I'll never feel comfortable with that, with that part. Sure. But, uh, you know, maybe because, I mean, the thing we had harped on all offseason was you had question marks at wide receiver, obviously Josh, obviously Corey with the injuries. So it was like, all right. And then Jarvis Landry was like, all right, well, we kind of covered one question mark. Okay, well, we drafted Antonio Callaway. Oh, wait a minute. Now now, now we upped our question mark total. We didn't, right. you know, so we kind of doubled down on question marks, which was, you know, and granted, as, as well as Corey played last week, you know, once he got his feet under him. You know, as long as he can stay clean and stay out of trouble, obviously, you know, they probably look like they have something that can be a solid contributor. But it just seemed weird, and it seemed weird that they waited till right before game week for the Giants when he could have just fed him eight, nine targets 
and maybe you could have gotten a better return. But, you know, it's sad to go, and it, it's it's funny that it's going to turn around so quickly and Corey's going to be coming to town Friday night. Right. So. Yeah. That, that, that's a different one. Um, now, obviously, <laughs> one thing we're seeing through Hard Knocks, um, you know, we're starting, you know, we're seeing Hugh through year three. I think the first episode was just tough to watch for Hugh as a whole, knowing everything he was going through. You started to see him more in head coach mode, football mode on this second episode. Now, your feelings, obviously, been around, you know, is, is Hugh a changing man, or is Hugh still trying to be the same guy, you know, in, not, in spite of 1-31, in is he looking to change? Is he looking to be a different head coach? I, I think this is, you know, this is what's so fascinating about the Browns this season. And, and I think this kind of hits on, you know, so, something you wanted to get to in a little bit. But Hughes, I don't know if Hugh has changed, but Hughes' situation has changed. And, and I mean that in terms of there are expectations now for, for him to win games. There there weren't any expectations. I mean, we saw they, they won one game in two years, and it was very close to, to 0-32 rather than 1-31. Um, you know, obviously, Hugh was not being measured the last two years by a win-loss record because if that were the case, he would not be the coach of the Cleveland Browns right now. Uh, he's... Now, he enters this thing, in a sense, with a blank slate. Um, you know, Jimmy Haslam and had and D. Haslam have said, you know, this is a fresh start for Hugh. This is really, you know, year one of his regime, all of that. But if they start off the season 0-1, 0-2, 0-3, it's not going to be 0-1, 0-2, 0-3. It's going to be 1-32, 1-31, 1-33. the 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 totality still exists. You can say this is a fresh start, but if this team doesn't start, you know, adding, adding wins to, to the, to the win column on Hughes resume, I think that's going to pop up. So I, I think, you know, at first I thought those first three games with, with the jets coming on a Thursday night and that being a long week afterward, I, I kind of thought that would be an interesting benchmark for Hugh. Now that I look at the Ra- uh, the Raiders in week four and, and really don't feel good about the Raiders this year. I think those first four games are really going to play a big role in, in, you know, how Hugh Jackson is uh, evaluated and, and whether or not we see an in-season coaching change and how much of a, a true fresh start Hugh Jackson got. But but to answer your question, you know, I, I don't know if Hugh Jackson has changed. I, I think Hugh Jackson, you know, really feels like he did not have an NFL roster the last two years. Uh, he seems more comfortable, obviously, with this roster. We, we've seen Hugh Jackson, whether it was as a coordinator in Cincinnati or, or during his time in Oakland, we've seen him, you know, win uh, or at least win more than he had here we've seen him win with talent on his roster so i think hugh is is refreshed in that sense but as far as his coaching style i'm not sure there's anything different i've seen from him this camp as as opposed to the previous two well i think that's the one thing i noticed you know with you know whatever the comments were on landry and you know hugh to his own discredit sometimes you know can you can answer a question with two sentences hugh sometimes usually usually wants to go with a paragraph so sometimes he says too much which ends up coming to Heard him, and then obviously the Haley with the look. I'm telling you what your issues are. I, I've seen it from the outside, and ah, it's, it's all right. It's okay. So that kind of yeah. gives you the vibe of whether or not he's actually trying to change his ways. Guys, you're looking, listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, the number one uh, local sports daily podcast network. Uh, guys, John, uh, John led your Trevor Schema. They do a fantastic job with Locked On NFL Draft. Go ahead. If, if that's not in your rotation, college football's kicking you off. Get to know what you need to know. Uh, games are starting in probably less than two weeks. So go ahead. Locked on NFL Draft with John and Trevor. They'll take care of you over there. 
Now, what I wanted to get to here, now now we have three head coaches. We have a head coach at offensive coordinator. We have a head coach at defensive coordinator. We have Hugh Jackson as the head coach of this team. Um, and that was another one from Hard Knocks where, Hugh, I've been on this side of the table. And, you know, Todd Haley, you just know the kind of guy he is. Well, yeah, I won 10 games and played in the playoffs. So you kind of <laughs> just, you can see there's a lot there with these guys. And obviously the other day where Greg Williams wasn't caring about the fact that guys were maybe getting a hit in on the quarterback. And look, guys, uh, nobody can touch Baker Mayfield. He's more important than all three of you. So maybe you should really, really uh, use a little better judgment in that regard. Is this going to work? I mean, because there's a lot of spices here that could make for some really bad chili. Yeah, I, I don't worry about Greg Williams in that sense. I mean, I, I have my concerns about Greg Williams as a whole. I, I think everybody does. But I don't think he's in the mix in, in terms of, you know, down the line being a, a interim head coach or, or a head coach in Canada. I think his reputation Nobody is going to let him head coach again. Yeah, his, his reputation is so tarnished that um, I, I think he's kind of out of the picture. I mean, he, he it's it's been interesting watching Hard Knocks and seeing him. He's kind of just become a sideshow uh, in, in, in and of himself. Todd Haley, though, on the other hand, is interesting. And and I think it's interesting that Todd Haley took this job. Uh, I know he didn't end with Pittsburgh on the best of terms, and, and he was pretty much, um, you know, I think, what, his contract came up and, and Pittsburgh didn't want him back, and, and he didn't want to go back to Pittsburgh, and they parted ways. But he's probably a guy who could have sat out a year and, and waited for uh, a, a better coordinator job to come open than the Browns. But I think, you know, you, you look at his history, he's probably ready to, to try to get back into this head coaching game and, and he probably saw an opportunity in Cleveland where if 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 Hugh Jackson gets fired because the losses just become so insurmountable that you can't keep trotting out a, a head coach with that type of win-loss record uh and and there's no other I mean but behind those two I, I don't know you know it, it's not a particularly strong staff in terms of name value. Uh, if Hugh Jackson were to get fired for whatever reason, Todd Haley would very clearly, I think, be the next man up. You you even see, um, you know, j- just the, the respect he commands and, and what he's seemingly brought to this team already. Um, now, look, I, Todd Haley is is a average to, to below average NFL head coach, or at least that's what he's been. Um, but, but, you know, you could say the same of Hugh Jackson. So, yeah, I mean, that that's an interesting dynamic and again I, I don't like to read into those you know the the snippets we see on hard knocks too much but but that's certainly a dynamic i think we've already seen um you know even going to that scene with with Corey coleman barging into hugh jackson's office and hugh jackson's response was go talk to todd i, I think there's certainly i don't think it's you know i don't think the dynamic is what people are making it uh based on hard knocks but i but i do think there's certainly a dynamic there yeah and that was interesting because you know whether or not it was Todd Haley and, you know, I mean, because it seemed like it really coincided with Corey getting dropped to the twos and all of a sudden Corey was out the door, you know, and so I doubt Todd Haley, who's been in town for a couple of weeks, went up to John Dorsey and said, you know what, you're going to move on from Corey Coleman. So right. it's just funny that he kind of, you know, set it up that way for it to go down like that. Um, look, the most exciting aspect, uh, look, with it, with the first, and you've seen it, everything we see from camp seems that both these quarterbacks are doing extremely well. We see it uh, last Thursday night against New York Giants. Both these quarterbacks look well. So I think one of the most impressive things that I noticed is here are guys, obviously Tyrod's new, Baker's new here. I mean, these guys are completing 18 to 25-yard back shoulder throws to wide receivers they barely know. It shows you a lot about the talents you have there, and it seems like it's kind of coming together quickly. 
What are your initial impressions, obviously, of Tyrod coming in? Obviously, we, we know we're going to get to see him for at, at least a couple of weeks. So let's start with Tyrod first. The veteran here, you know, coming on in. What are your thoughts on Tyrod Taylor now with a Cleveland Brown? And, you know, obviously with a guy like Jarvis Landry, a ridiculous tight end, and David Najoku, you know, some weapons in Callaway, and obviously, you know, Duke Johnson, guys like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Tyrod... You know, to go cliche, Tyrod is Tyrod. I mean, he is well, as is, good. Is it Tyrod or is it Tyrod? <laughs> well, there's some conflicting reports because what we heard it's Tyrod, and then we his his dad told Mina Kimes today that it's that he calls him Tyrod. So he's been called Tyrod his whole life. I, I mean, I've it's actually funny. Uh, his first start at Virginia Tech, they played Ohio University, uh, where, where I was going to school my freshman year of college, and and actually I took a bus uh, to see the Bobcats play play Virginia Tech uh, in in what happened to be. Tyrod's first start. So, so I've been aware of Tyrod for, for a little over 11 years now, and, and I've called him Tyrod Taylor during that entire time. But uh, as far as what he's brought to this team, I mean, he, he is, he is who he is. He, and, and that is a, a steady above average NFL quarterback. And that is something that's refreshing to see in Cleveland. And it's something where if, if those guys who you mentioned the, the weapons around him, uh, there's a lot of question marks, you know, not only with, with obviously Josh Gordon and, and Antonio Callaway are, are question marks, but Duke Johnson and, and his history of injuries and all of that. If, if, but if those guys can stay on the field, I mean, the, this is an offense with a lot of weapons that, that suit, that suit Tyrod Taylor. Well, so, um, you know, heading into the off season, I think everybody knew the Browns were going to add, a veteran quarterback and, and obviously there were names like AJ McCarron and uh, Nick Foles and, and some of the guys they were linked to uh, Kirk Cousins even I thought Tyrod was was a very good get for this team I, I know people had their questions about what they gave up for him but in terms of of the steadiness he brings to the quarterback room uh, and and you know obviously what he brings as a player I, I think he you know, I, I think that was a home run get, regardless of how this season shakes out. But between him and Baker Mayfield, yeah. And the thing with and with all these weapons, and you know, it's just going to make it easier for him. Even if a team does a great job of covering everybody, there's going to be even more running lane for Tarad. Right. I'm sorry, yeah. Now look, they got look. me saying it. But go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, well, just look at Buffalo's rushing numbers with him. Uh, you know, LaShawn McCoy's a nice running back. He, he's a, you know, semi-Pro Bowl running back. He, he's made a few Pro Bowls, but their rushing numbers the, the last two years or last three years with Terod uh, as their starter, I mean, it, it's been off the charts. So, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to get to see that till the, re- till the regular season, I'd imagine. But, but that's just another dynamic that he brings to this offense. Yes. Now we will get on over to, obviously, number one overall pick. Number six, uh, you know, basically the man everyone's hoping is going to become the new LeBron James in town. <laughs> um, I think what initially we're seeing, and I didn't have Baker as my top quarterback. I think Josh Rosen was a fantastic throw of the football. I really like Sam Darnold. I think yeah. maybe what we're starting to see that drew them to Baker Mayfield was, is at 23 years old, they knew everything he was now. So the younger guys, you know, all three of them, 21, you know, well... Can he get up to this? Can he get up to that? Can he get up to that? I think in their eyes, they thought they saw a whole bunch of really good quarterbacks, and they think they went with the one who they thought was the safest and most ready to go now, which I, I, I can understand, and especially for this franchise, especially was the right choice to make. But the debut, you know, obviously Thursday night, fantastic. I mean, when you're a, a rookie in your first preseason action, 
and you're throwing the ball at 10 yards per attempt. It's quite impressive, and it seems like it doesn't seem like anything's too big yet for Baker, and he seems to be taking everything in stride so far. Yeah, you know, I'm right there with you. I I was not a Baker Mayfield fan heading into the draft. I, I loved watching him in college. Uh, I was at that Ohio State game where uh, he completely Ooh. picked the well, he completely picked the Buckeyes apart. And, and even as an, an OSU alum and uh, somebody who's who's been close to that program, I mean, it was it was fun to see that. That to me was really you know his Heisman moment and his Heisman coming out party. But um, I had questions about you know I I thought he could be a good NFL quarterback, but I didn't think he could be the the a good NFL quarterback for the Browns. I, I thought that Sam Darnold, to me, I thought was the safest pick. He he fit the mold of that franchise quarterback. He he checked off all the boxes. Uh, he, if you acquired a guy, you know, like a Tyrod Taylor, you you could sit him for a year and, and redshirt him and and go with that plan. And we'll see how the plan with Baker uh, works out. But but obviously, he's exceeded all of my expectations to this point. Um, I had questions, you know about his personality, not even the, the off the field stuff, but just some of the, the raw, raw, um, you know, it, it just kind of came off a little immature, not, not immature in the same way as Johnny Manziel, but, but almost, uh, you know, guys would roll their eyes at him in a locker room. That has not been the case at all. Uh, he, he is a dynamic personality players, uh, you know, veterans and younger players are completely drawn to the guy. Uh, that's something I underrated. And then obviously he can throw the football, um, you know, as, as well as any, uh, rookie we've seen in Cleveland and, and that's not a high bar, but, uh, th- that is, that that's something that counts for something. Right. And so, um, yeah, I mean, he, he's completely exceeded my expectations. Uh, I think it's going to be a really interesting dynamic between him and him and Tyrod Taylor, because I think he's probably ahead. Well, well I could tell you, I know that he's ahead of where the coaching staff thought he would be. Now they're going to stick with Tyrod, but you know, people are, are in, People are sensitive, I think, to to talk about you know a quarterback competition or uh, have the the Tyrod Baker debate. I think it's a healthy debate to have. I think it's a healthy conversation. And quite frankly, it's not going anywhere until Baker finally takes over as the starting quarterback because he was the number one overall pick and because he's already you know one of the biggest names in in football. Uh, it it's a much healthier debate. It's a much healthier conversation than we've had about any group of Browns quarterbacks really since 1999. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, just a couple of things I noticed from the game alone, you know, obviously you know, everything was, you know, from what he had known to this point, you know, so there was no freelancing, not really audibling. And, you know, there's going to be times where he's going to look at an Antonio Callaway in the slot or a Duke Johnson or a Jarvis Landry and just, you know, give a look that, hey, you're getting a seven yard cushion. I'm taking this ball and I'm whipping it right to you. We're going to take the easy yards. I mean, this is stuff that he's going to be grow into, you know, that they can let him do. And you saw after every play, man, that head snapped around right to the sideline. What are we doing? Mm -hmm. What's next? I mean, extremely impressive. The two rushes, you know, he knew where the escape hole was on both. Still looked down all his reads, saw they weren't there, found his way to first downs. And the thing for me was, you know, obviously, you know, these other guys were big, big quarterbacks physically. Baker, the first thing I wanted to see was, you know, how did Baker look physically on the field in – he almost maybe looked like he was a little bit bigger than he did in college. Maybe that's because he had Orlando Brown at six foot eight as his tackle. Right. But, you know, the side, it didn't, it didn't look small when he was out there. You know, obviously I, I think he's probably put on a couple of pounds, you know, to take the punishment he's going to take, but he didn't look small and looked everything for the part. Um, 
Now, I see he's trying to do little things. Like, I see, like, I saw him photobomb some kid the other day. Is he <laughs> doing what you need to do to start to ingratiate yourself to a fan base when, you know, obviously all the hopes are on his back? Yeah, uh, you know, real quick on the size, I'm, I'm glad you said that because that was one of the biggest question marks I had. And, and not that I, you know, I, I think it's kind of... Um, I think it's kind of ancient thinking at this point to think just because a quarterback is short, he can't or shorter, I should say uh, that he can't succeed in the NFL. But, but to me, the, the having the number one pick to me, just take the safest guy. And, and again, that, that to me was Sam Darnold. Now uh, I've watched Baker a lot in college and there were times where he, from a size standpoint, you know, I go back to that Ohio State game in, uh, what was it, 20, 2016, uh, when, when Ohio State dominated them down in Norman. He looked a little small out there. Um, I, I remember in the second half against Georgia, uh, that, that Georgia defense just kind of swarmed him. But you're right, against the Giants, he didn't look small at all. Um, he, he looked like he belonged out on the field. It, it was, I, I was at, uh, I was at first energy stadium for Johnny Manziel's first start against the Bengals and, and he oh looked my. small, he looked small, <laughs> with, with Geno Atkins lining up across from him. Uh, Baker Mayfield didn't look small there. There was the one play where he got shoved down that could happen to any quarterback, but yeah, it's going to be interesting though. Once he hits some adversity, uh, how he responds to it. But as far as, as far as the fan base, that's something that, that actually took me by surprise because when they picked him first overall, it kind of seemed like a polarizing pick. We we didn't know about it until really the day of the draft. That's when the reports... By far, by far the weirdest experience with the number one overall pick in my in my memory in, me, in recent years. Com- completely bizarre. I mean, I, I've been following the draft as, as long as I've been following the NFL, and I don't think we've gone into a week before, you know, where we didn't know who was going to be the number one pick. And uh, there were some, some rumblings a couple of days before I remember, but nothing concrete. And then it was like we woke up on that Thursday, and all of a sudden Baker Mayfield was going to be the number one pick. It's, but It seemed like once everybody hit, like once the media members hit Dallas, and I remember right. there were like four or five different names, and it was – just you know the you know the, the obviously the the uh, one you want to hook everybody in with oh wow and it was like right. four or five of them and it was just like oh wait a minute yeah no yeah it, it was completely insane but um, you know I thought at, at the time of the draft I thought the fan base was split I went to the first day of training camp out in Berea and I saw more Baker Mayfield jerseys than I've seen of probably any player since Johnny Manziel. Um, the fan, I mean, you, you see the Baker chance, you know, at, at training camp and all that, and they do that for a lot of the players, but they, they really do them for Baker Mayfield. Uh, the fan base, I think at this point is all in on Baker Mayfield. And, and I think it's interesting because I think a lot of the fan base too wants to see Tyrod start this season, but there is still a lot of hope for Baker. I, I think everybody at this point feels very comfortable with Baker Mayfield being the face of the franchise. Um, and you know what? The personality stuff, he seemed to have toned down. And, and it'll be interesting if he starts to get on a roll and if he starts winning, you know, we'll deal with that when we get there, how, how that manifests itself. But he really seems to, to, you know, maybe not be not now that we're seeing him every day and that we're seeing him up close, maybe, maybe, you know, when we were watching him in college, we were only seeing the highlights and, and seeing the attention grabbing stuff. Maybe that's not necessarily a, 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 a huge reflection on who he is. Yeah. I mean, and look, you know, and, and, you know, I'm sure obviously people in his camp and, Look, uh, endorsement opportunities, uh, grabbing your crotch, mm-hmm. that's not going to get you $5 million right. to help somebody peddle this. You know, so, and, but, you know, obviously also, you know, engaged and, you know, maybe, you know, maturing in that level as well. And, and, and I do understand the fact that, you know, the road it took him to get here, 
you know, a lot of these other guys, you know, Josh Rosen didn't go this road. Sam Darnold didn't go this road. Maybe, obviously, Josh Allen kind of did. So I think a lot of these points during college, it was you want to know what, you know, the old D-Generation X style. <laughs> I think there was a lot of that to it. And maybe now that he's here, maybe some of that subside. And you do see where an Odell Beckham, who, you know, obviously worked out with him a little bit. But, I mean, when do you see a guy who's about to be one of the highest paid wide receivers in the NFL go up to the other team's rookie quarterback Give him his hug, take a headphones off. Talk. I mean, you see that there's there's something to this guy. It, 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 he draws people to him, and obviously you just hope for that success that continues here. You know, obviously mm-hmm. as he be, begins his Browns career, guys. Uh, Matt Williamson does a fantastic job with Locked On uh, Locked On NFL. Um, his Monday show lineup this year, he'll be going obviously to some of the Locked On hosts for the biggest stories. Uh, Mike Renner of The Bachelor from PFF will be coming on on Wednesdays. Mike Sando, ESPN, will be coming on on Thursdays. Mike's going to put a great lineup for you guys. So lock, check out Locked On NFL. Obviously covers the entire league. Mike does a fantastic job over there. Now this is where the fun part can come here a little bit, man. <laughs> and this is where you know this was weird. The way it just came down, and obviously you know tweeting about Elias the other night. <laughs> SummerSlam is Sunday, um, and like you know, some people. Oh, I can't believe you watched that. Da da da. And I was out for a while. I mean, I was out of wrestling for a while. I was too. Um, as the as now the women have come in. You know, you know, some of the boys were talking with. You know, my daughters were coming home. They were talking about it. It was on. Now that the women's division is rocking, my girls are totally into it. I've got pictures with Alexa Bliss. <gasps> you know, we've met Sasha Banks. That one stunk because my daughters wouldn't let me get in the picture. Whatever. <laughs> But uh, SummerSlam's coming up Sunday, obviously, you know, and just always a great break in the action. I mean, because there's just so much sports you can take where every now and then you need something different, and I think that's where wrestling comes in. What are you looking forward to Sunday night? Obviously, a great SummerSlam card, and I don't, I would be remiss without saying this. I'm actually hooked on the Mrs. Reality Show. It's, it's, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but it's just fun because, you know, I always kind of paid him, you know, he plays a great role of a jerk. But, you know, maybe now because he just had a baby daughter, but just watching it all come down. And, well, I mean, my wife, yes, she had pregnancy cravings. It was McDonald's at 2 a.m. It wasn't $600 truffle meals that his wife (laughs) apparently was hooked on. But that's a great thing if you get a second check it out. But what are you looking forward to Sunday night? Yeah, you know, I'm just excited for, I think, the weekend as a whole. Um, It's funny because you you mentioned, you know, how, how do you guys watch that, blah, blah, blah. I'm at a point now where, where, you know, I'm up here in Cleveland and, and I'm working and, and covering all three Cleveland teams in, in some capacity, covering Ohio State still, where anytime I'm, I'm watching a sporting event, even if it's, you know, the Browns or the Cavs or the Indians, I still kind of have my work brain on. WWE is something that, that I can entrench myself in, but but still really just turn everything off and, and just have fun with it. Um, and it's funny because so I was a big, you know, WCW, WWE fan Absolutely. when I when I was in, in my early teens and in, in my, you know, when I was 10, 11, 12 years old, uh, probably for three years, like right in the heart of the Monday Night Wars. And then at some point, you know, in high school, I started talking to girls. I, I started making more <laughs> friends and uh, started going out on the weekends. And, and I, I didn't watch wrestling for, for nine or ten years probably altogether, completely 
completely, you know, unaware of the storylines, completely unaware of, of anything going on. And then at the end of college, you know, kind of as, as, uh, my life started to, to, you know, calm down a little bit, I just got back into it. I, I think it was the CM Punk pipe bomb. I know it was, it was the CM Punk pipe bomb that, that really roped me back in. I've been watching now for what? So seven years now consistently. And it was right around this time when I started watching again, but, um, you know, SummerSlam's not WrestleMania, but it is the second biggest show of the year and and that's kind of how their calendar works is is you know you have wrestlemania and from there everything builds to SummerSlam. so this is you know the next big pillar on the calendar there's not really a match in particular i'm I'm super excited about i guess you know aj styles samoa joe maybe um it's not the best SummerSlam card i I think that nxt brooklyn card i I think that's going to be a a really good show um you know right now I'm, i'm not super in love with the product but i still keep up with it um um, and, you know, I've been to the past three WrestleManias. Uh, I, yeah, I, I'm, um, I'm debating whether or not I'm going to go to a fourth here in New York this year. But this is just a, you know, a, a fun weekend in the year that, that I can kind of just, you know, celebrate wrestling and turn my brain off and, and enjoy some food and, uh, you know, watch the show. Uh, well, first things first, if you do find your way to your fourth one, uh, seeing as I'm a New Jersey resident, we'll have to find a okay. way to hook up, Ben. Sure uh, thing. But it is, it, it is, it's just, it's a break in like, and even like the same stuff that used to infuriate you with a kid. And Elias is a prime example, you know, where he'll start the song, stop, start the song, Jesus, get, just get it off <laughs> with. And it's the same thing, you know, like back in the day, you know, where, you know, they would grab the rope, uh, you know, any chance they could or slide right. it. It just, it, it's, it, it still just kind of draws you back in. Obviously, you know, me and my daughters, we're looking forward to the women's matches. Uh, you know, Alexa Bliss, I mean, it's going to be difficult to write how Alexa Bliss could actually beat Ronda Rousey in a match of any type. So it'll be interesting how that one plays out. Yeah. Um, so we look forward to it. And, and my God, please, uh, you know, uh, enough of Brock Lesnar. My God, I, even if it is Roman Reigns, just enough of Brock, well, Res- Brock Lesnar. You, you know what's interesting about that? So so I was at WrestleMania, obviously, this past year. And, and it was just in terms of that being the main event of the show. It was so disappointing. Mm-hmm. And not all, I, I like Roman Reigns more than most people. Um, Brock Lesnar, you know, the act is kind of tired, but but it's always fun to see him in the ring. And in a way, I was really disappointed. I, I was stunned that they went with this for the main event for SummerSlam uh, after, you know, how the crowd reacted at WrestleMania. But now it's it's interesting because it's like, how long can they keep doing this? And, and how are they going to get themselves out of this one? So um, I'm, I'm not necessarily excited that, that this is the direction they went. But I guess I'm interested to see where they take it from here. Yeah, and that's it. I mean, if it if it's somehow Brock Res- Brock Lesnar wins again, right? I mean, because you know we're probably looking at another six months of it. So it just oh yeah, unless somehow some way you know Braun Strowman comes in, which could which would be beautiful if it was Braun Strowman, I'd be totally fine with it. So it'd be interesting yeah. how that all plays out on Sunday night. Ben, let everybody know where they can find the great work at, my friend. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ben Axelrod, uh, B-E-N-A-X-E-L-R-O-D, and you can find uh, my work on WKYC.com and and WKYC Channel 3 up here in Cleveland. Um, And yeah, I, I appreciate you having me on, man. This was a good time. Thank you. Uh, I, I've been, you know, I've been trying to open up more. Uh, you know, I have my steady crew of guests, but I, I, yeah. know, I know the fans want to. I mean, the listeners want to hear more. Um, guys, we're gonna about to put a bow on this. Um, I do want to thank, obviously, the one listener. Guys, uh, I, I want feedback. I, I want to hear how the sound was. Please, any questions, please, or any comments, please make sure you send them my way. 
Guys, make sure you follow the uh, the show Locked On Browns. We keep it a follow uh, follow back account. You guys have been fantastic to me. Obviously, with you know use of a microphone, uh, the gift of a microphone, you guys have sent me you guests to the Mark Sessler interview. Of guys, again, that was done by one of the listeners of the show. Helped put that together. Um, follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, you guys meet a ton. We'll have some pregame stuff uh, tomorrow night before we get into the Bills. Uh, and everybody, get ready. Des Bryant comes to Berea tomorrow. <laughs> we'll see how that shakes down. We'll talk to you guys all tomorrow night. Let's go Browns.